back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. This is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Sam Kahn, Jr. Joining us now, Sam's been burning up and down the road. You never know where he might show up, Waco College Station. Uh, Sam, I'm looking at your Black Friday deal that you all had on yesterday really strong deal dollar a month for 12 months my gosh uh although it's i'm I'm putting it out there now sam a day late <laughs> but the uh that's pretty i mean it's all the carousel it never disappoints i mean it's it's gonna happen um as far as like stuff to write about but it's always unfortunate it's fortunate for some not as fortunate for others but uh I mean, just in that last, as you were advertising some of your recent stories, you got Elko making Cincinnati AM, Holgerson era at U of H, Dave Aranda returning in 2024, and then, of course, Sark is on a roll. I mean, there's a lot going on. I This Aranda one, let's start there. I mean, it, it's, it has not been met with, like, universal excitement from the Baylor brethren and so, in a lot of ways, Sam, this is a pretty gutsy move by Mac Rhodes because his his fan base wanted a change, and they did not get one. Yeah, it's a bold bet for sure uh, because you're really putting all your eggs in the basket of one guy to do it and turn it turn it around in one year uh, in the face of evidence in the last few years that have not given confidence that those results are going to change. Uh but I think this is a statement on the half of Mac Rhodes that he truly believes in Dave Aranda and that he believes what he's about. He believes the kind of person he is and the kind of program he can run and the kind of coach he can be. And some of that, I'm sure, comes from the fact that they won the Big 12 in 2021. So you saw what it's like when it works. But like a lot of Baylor fans, I think the question I have is, how are you going to get there if, you, if the talent is not there. And mm. I think they do have some good young talent. Uh, you know, certainly you saw a lot of signs of some young guys out there getting some good experience. But I'm just – the level of play this year and how bad they got was just alarming to me. And it makes me wonder when you see, okay, you're going to make staff changes again. You're going to have another offensive coordinator. Aranda is going to take over the defensive calls. At some point, you can only change over the staff so much – before you look at the man in charge. And so my, my question is, is I, I, look, I like Dave. I, Dave's great to talk to. Uh, he seems like a really good person. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people want to see him succeed because of his personal qualities. But if it's taken all this to outfit him to get him to succeed, I think we're at, you have to ask, what are we really doing here? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. And I, I was thinking, Sam, about like the NIL portal you know, you can come up with whatever plan, and maybe they're going to fire up some more money. And I do think they'll have more in the budget next year. But if you're you're either kind of wired to embrace that or you're not. And so far, he has not been. He's more Dabo-like in that area, right? He he kind of likes the thought of paying everybody the same. He's been very upfront about that. He's not hidden that. And so the thought of Dave sort of changing. I mean, like. He he has admitted, I haven't done enough. I've got to change. But, like, it's either kind of in your personality or not. Like, Patterson didn't really like it, didn't want to do it. Patterson was out of a job. 
most people that have not embraced it don't, you know, you're out a couple of years later. Uh, and so, I, I again, he, I don't, Sam, he's going to have to do some things in that regard, and they may be somewhat uncomfortable in, um, for him. But uh, I, it, that's the hard part is it's really what's required now, and it's almost kind of like what I keep hearing from them and even when I hear him talk, it's almost like they need to bring somebody else in to be the portal. You know, and, and again, you, you kind of need it to come from your head coach. And mm-hmm. and I, I have a hard time envisioning him becoming this massive NIL portal guy. Yeah, and I think you're right. There, at some point, the identity of the program has to be in the mold of the head coach. And and you can hire as many staffers and heads as you want, whether it's an offensive coordinator with head coach experience or a GM to help with the NIL. And those are all necessities, by the way. Like a GM or a director of player personnel that runs the recruiting department and and takes all that stuff into account, I think, is actually a necessity in this day and age. So, you know, staffing, beefing up the recruiting department makes sense. You know, bringing in an offensive coordinator that you can turn it over to makes sense. Uh, But uh, ultimately the program is going to be run in the image of the head coach. And so the one thing I will say about that is this, though. Dave has shown a history of being willing to evolve. So the first year it didn't work offensively. They completely changed the strategy. He was really conservative in the way he uh, approached the game plan and the, and the way they made decisions. Then they became one of the most ag- most aggressive fourth down teams in the country. Uh, they didn't do the portal after the 21 season when they won the Big 12. Then the next year they're signing 14 transfers. So I will give, give Dave credit for that because he is willing – and a lot of coaches are not. A lot of coaches are stubborn and want to do it their way. And if Dave is willing to say, hey, I'm going to stake my reputation on this and go down swinging, I think that is admirable. And, and the, the, the fact that he hasn't been in control of the defense, you certainly understand it because of the demands that are on a head coach in 2023 in college football. And so if he wants to go in and be old Dave Aranda that we knew at LSU or Wisconsin or wherever else and be that guy that runs the defense and then – runs the team that way, I think, hey, why not bet on yourself? So I understand the approach. And if he believes in and wants to do it, I certainly understand it. But I also understand the skepticism from Baylor fans who Mm -hmm. have seen the product on the field the last year and a half and and have some serious questions about it. But there's no question in my mind that it's a make-or-break year next year and either progress and results are shown. And if they're not, then they're going to probably make a change. Nobody's even close, are they, as far as, like, hot seat entering next season? I guess <laughs> people are maybe – I mean, as far as the Big 12 is concerned, I'm thinking about some of those guys coming in. Arizona's obviously headed in the right direction. I mean, Dion's uh, polarizing, but he's certainly not on the hot seat. Um, I mean, it's just – I don't know if – Cincinnati had a bad year, but I think they kind of expected that. UCF actually finished fairly strong – I mean, they were kind of trending in the right direction. So, in a sense, uh, you know, everybody loves the hot seat conversation. I don't think anyone will be close to as hot. In fact, the West Virginia coach had the hottest seat entering the season, and he's kind of turned that around. And I guess that's what (laughs) Aranda's hoping he can do. You're hoping you can coach yourself off of it. I guess the only one that would be close is maybe Sam Pittman at Arkansas, uh, but even him. Uh, they made it, and it sounds like they're making a offense coordinator change. Bobby Petrino going over there, but I, I, I still think Aranda's probably in the in the hottest mm-hmm. seat going in next year. But and that's the bet is they're betting 
and Dave Aranda's betting he can coach his way off of it the way Neil Brown did at West Virginia. And there's precedent. It's, it is possible to do it because they everybody picked West Virginia to be last in the conference last year. I would imagine the preseason poll next year, depending on how they do in the portal, Baylor's going to be mm-hmm. pretty low in the conference next year. And uh, West Virginia won eight games, so who, who knows? Maybe, maybe Aranda can, can conjure some of the magic that Neil Brown did at West Virginia. All right, Sam Kahn Jr. from The Athletic on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. And, you know, it, you brought up Petrino. I mean, it, it, it almost felt made up when I saw that. Like I said, <laughs> and, then it, and now it sounds like it's very close to happening. And it, it's just like, really? You can, I mean, after all the jokes, and we, we'll now see those pictures for the hundredth time with his neck brace on at that news conference. And yet, going back to Arkansas, I mean, I, I guess that speaks to the desperation. And and I'm sure the Arkansas people, uh, even though that was such a wild story, the fandom will probably be happy to see him again. It's just, it's it's fascinating. It was one thing to go back to Louisville, you know, where mostly good stuff happened, right? I mm-hmm. mean, and he's going back to a place where the most embarrassing thing of his career happened. And I think they'll welcome him, obviously, with open arms. It's uh, that that's just when you think things can't get wilder in college football. Uh, we have Petrino returning to Arkansas. Yeah, it is fascinating. Uh, but you know, Arkansas fans do remember how good those offenses were when he was there before all that happened. And even when he was at Missouri State in the FCS, they played Arkansas last year, and uh, with Barry Odom as their defensive coordinator. Boy, Petrino gave him a lot of hell, and they scored a lot of points and took a lead, and Arkansas was in trouble in that game before they came back and won it. So I, I certainly understand it from that point. From that standpoint, I'm certainly bewildered like you at the fact that you can bring a guy back after all that happened there and the way he was mm-hmm. fired. And, and as much has been written and said about it at the time, I'm, my colleague at the Athletic, David Uppen, did a really good story last year looking back at it, going talking to people who were involved in it at the time and some retrospect. And it was truly, it was truly a wild an unprecedented experience from what I could tell. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. And it's hard. The thing is about that is it's hard to tell how much of an impact from a football standpoint uh, will it have offensively. I think it will. I think it, I think it will. But we don't know what a Petrino offense looks like. At A&M, when he was there this year, he was calling the plays, yes, but the, the offense wasn't really Petrino's. It was really Jimbo's offense. Mm-hmm. And so – so what does a Petrino offense look like in 2023? I don't know. We haven't seen we haven't seen a full Petrino offense with him having full control at the FBS level since he was at Louisville last back in 2018. It's been a lot. He's been three years at the FCS rank, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, if he can conjure some up some offensive magic and and score some points and save Sam Pittman's job. All right, and <clears throat> Mike Elko coming over from Duke. Another weird story where the other night it looked like Mark Stoops from Kentucky might be the candidate. There was a huge uproar, like, no, 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 not not Mark Stoops. We can't do this. And then Mike Elko comes in there. I mean, it. I think it's a good hire. It feels somewhat safe. He's been there, knows the culture, good football coach. Um, you know, I, 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 I can't say that it's like – Oh, the splashiest hire in the world, um, but it seems like solid. You spent some time both with Mike Elko and then Ross Bjork, the uh, 
the AD, who some Aggies are like, okay, you've made the hire or you've been a part of it at least. Now move on, move along. I don't know how that'll work uh, with Bjork and his future. But what do you what do you make of this hire? And I mean, do you think this is about as as good as the uh, Aggies could have done? Yeah, I think it made a lot of sense, and it's a different it's a different approach than what A and M has done in the last two decades. Last time they went and swung for the fences with Jimbo Fisher and hired the national championship winning coach, and obviously it didn't work out. Before that, they went and hired Kevin Sumlin, the up-and-coming group of five coach, and that worked for a little while, and then it fizzled out. Then they hired a former NFL coach with Mike Sherman back in 2008. That didn't work out. And then they hired Dennis Franchot. They took they hired Alabama's coach. Think about that in 2023. The A&M went and hired the sitting coach from Alabama and brought him over, and then that didn't work out either. So they've tried all these headline-grabbing hires. Elko's not someone who was going to go win the press conference. Uh, he's not going to bring a fistful of rings with him. But you know what he is? He's a damn good ball coach. He's disciplined. He's organized. He's going to bring structure. And I think those are all things that A&M needs right now when you think of the end of the Jimbo Fisher era. Think of 2022 when – you had so many players get into issues off the field. Uh, they ended up, several of them ended up transferring. Obviously, several of them were suspended at the time. Uh, you had Jimbo, who was very heavily focused on the offense. Didn't seem like there was a lot of organization there within the program. Not a clear vision, a program identity. Uh, it, it just, it just didn't. It seemed like it was all geared towards whatever Jimbo wanted. We're just going to stack all the talent and run these plays and hope it works out. And I think Elko's going to bring a little more structure to that. When you look at what he's done at Duke, a place that is hard to win, a place that is hard mm-hmm. to recruit, they, they went 16-9 and nine in two years. They won nine games the first year. Uh, you know, if the quarterback doesn't get hurt, do they, you know, maybe they win a couple more games this year. But he got those guys to play hard. They played great defense. It looks like he can develop and maximize the talent. And he's got the bonus – of the familiarity with Texas A&M. He's recruited here. He's coached here. He's lived here. His kids have gone to school here. So that those are all pluses for them. So it, it, the, the transition period that you get for a head coach where he has to get to know everybody and get the lay of the land, Mike doesn't have to do that. He's already done that before. He knows it. He's going to be able to step right in and hit the ground running. And I think for a team like A&M that has top five talent, if you can retain as much of that roster as possible, you can maybe turn this thing a little bit quicker than a traditional uh, program when you fired a head coach. Sam, have you ever gotten caught up in that in an Aggies crowd when they start sawing the horns off <laughs> and and they start swaying? Have you? Are you? I guess you're mostly in the press box. Have you ever been trapped in a a crowd where you almost felt like you had to participate in that, or has that never happened to you? One time, one time, and it was when I was a student journalist covering University of Houston basketball, playing at A&M, and one of my best friends uh, from high school who was at A&M at the time, I went to say hi to him as soon as the game was over before we went to the post-game press conference, and they started sawing him off, and he grabbed me, and he started making me saw the horns off. So that's the only time <laughs> in my career that I had to do that. It was in 2004. I was, uh, I was still not a, I was still not in the big time yet, but, uh, but that's the only time that ever happened, and it, was, it, made me, it reminded me just to make sure that let them do that when they do that and, and stay in the press area until that's done. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had some footage of that. A young <laughs> Sam Kahn uh, right up there in the middle of all of that. On this uh, University of Houston thing, 
this thing's going all over the place. There were reports earlier today that Trailer from UTSA may be talking to them. Cliff Kingsbury, his name is like the betting favorite now. Willie Fritz has been attached to it. And then, of course, people uh, uh, bringing up Gary Patterson's name. Gary came on my show and and uh, and was talking about how he wanted to get back into coaching. Some of that might make sense. Um, any, where, what are you thinking on that? Are you hearing anything today that makes you lean one way or the other? Yeah, I think it's still, it's still challenging to suss through. It seems clear to me that there are three candidates very much in the mix and it's Willie Fritz, that's Tulane, Jeff Trailer, UTSA and Gary Patterson. Uh, those seem to be the names that are generating the most buzz. They're not the only names. There's certainly others that U of H is looking at, but those are the ones, if I had to bet on it today, I would bet on the higher coming from that group of three. Um, I think Fritz and Trailer make a ton of sense. Uh, obviously, when you see what Fritz has accomplished at Tulane, the roster he's built, they're going for their second straight conference championship. He's won at every level he's been, uh, you know, from JUCO to D2 to FCS to FBS. Uh, I think So I think that makes sense. He's got some familiarity in the state of Texas from his time at Sam Houston, you yeah. know, coaching the JUCO ranks at Blinn. So he knows the lay of the land here a little bit. Trailer, obviously, you don't get any more Texan than Jeff Trailer. You know, East Texas, Kilmer, three state championships, uh, coaching at UT, coaching at UTSA, coaching at SMU. Uh, he's been all over the place. I think the ties there, his ability to recruit, and his ability that really has impressed me over the last few years to continue to succeed despite losing key staff members. He's lost about six assistant coaches to the Power Five ranks in the last three years, and every year they keep plugging in and promoting from within or finding someone else mm. and end up keeping the machine going. And they we were, were this close to playing for a conference championship last week. Patterson's interesting to me because he's got the skins on the wall from his two decades at TCU. But I think at the end there, you could tell that it seemed to me from the outside looking in, there was some burnout. The, the NIL, the transfer portal, the one-time transfer rule, everything I think evolved so fast. I think I remember uh, in his last year at TCU, I remember him saying – I'm glad I'm 61 dealing with this and not 41, you know, and saying that at least it wasn't something you have to deal with for a long time. So if, if I'm Houston, I want to know what is your plan for NIL? What is your plan for dealing with the portal and this new player empowerment era that we're in? Do, do you have a plan to change some things that we saw at TCU? Because he accomplished a lot of great things at TCU, but those last few years, it seemed like they plateaued and it seemed like things got a little stale. And so I think he, he's got to prove that he has evolved or can evolve. I think that time that he spent at Texas with Steve Sarkeesian, I know he said he learned a lot from that time because Texas is on the cutting edge on the NIL. They use the portal very strategically. They don't major in it, but they get some impact players out of it. And Sark, I think, runs a good program with, a good program with a good culture. So if that time rubbed off on him well and, I, and he has been able to incorporate some of that stuff into what his vision for a new program would be, maybe there's some appeal there. So I think, I think it's mm-hmm. a, fascinating, uh, a fascinating road to travel if they decide to go down that. All right. I find that schools that have about thirty million budgeted for NIL are more on the cutting edge. You know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they, they seem to they seem to perform a little bit better. But uh well Sam, um man, good work and I know lots some more hires to be made, so we'll continue to read your work uh, at the athletic. Always appreciate it and always great to run into you. Hey, no problem. Thanks as always. Good to talk to you. Have a good one. There you go, Sam. Con Jr. from The Athletic. And uh, good perspective on a lot of different things. In fact, he wrote 
if you want to read that, he wrote about the uh, decision to retain Aranda and went through all of that. Uh, and that is uh, that story is up there if you want to go see that. Now, 520 today, uh, late-breaking guest action. We will have Calvin Watkins. Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News will